wait for us to become good. He is already good. Therefore, he can bring good to all of us. So tonight, as we talk about God coming near, I want us to really picture what it was like in those times when God came to us in human form as Jesus Christ, the one that was born as our Savior. You know, Christmas is a time where we look at our, our, uh, our culture or even the, the marketplace, the stores, and people decorate. You decorate your homes. We decorate the Christmas tree. We have presents. And we can almost bring Christmas to just a holiday and nice decorations and things like that and, and sing songs. And, and we can go through the motions but forget that Christmas is all about God coming near. That on that night that Jesus was born, there were no colorful lights, there were no Christmas trees, there was no uh, sales going on, no shopping, there was not any of that. So we can look at Christmas as, wow, it's, a, it's such a nice, beautiful thing, but we can also miss how powerful Christmas is. See, if we reduce Christmas to just a holiday or a season, then we forget about the Savior. And I think many of us, we know the Savior. We, we understand that Christmas is a time that we celebrate the Savior that he is God with us, that it's not about just the holiday. And although we celebrate, let's not miss why we celebrate. And I think we come here together so that we can continue this relationship with the Lord and we can continue moving forward in this world that is in such desperate need of a Savior. I think wherever we live and in the homes that uh, we're in or even where we work, people need a Savior. But they're looking for someone to show them the way. God showed us the way through Jesus Christ, and he modeled for us what it was to be like to live on this earth, yet following a heavenly father. Mary and Joseph, they had this uh, <laughs> unbelievable task at raising up and you know, helping the Son of God to become everything that God saw him to be. They had that task of raising up a perfect child. Have you ever raised a perfect child? I know your children might say, yes, mom, dad, you're raising a perfect child. They may feel that way, but we all know we have flaws. And Mary and Joseph, when they came to the realization that they were going to be used by God, they had to make a decision. And I think for us tonight, there's a lot of decisions that will be made. I think mostly because we're already in a season of making decisions. We make decisions all the time. You probably make 400 to 600 decisions every single day. You might think, I don't make a decision. Not, not that much decision. I wake up, I get dressed, I go to work, I got ready, I came here, I'm ready to go. That's only like five decisions. No, you made a ton of decisions before you came here. Women, you make more decisions than men when you get ready. It's just a result of how you are. And that's not a bad thing. Like guys, we find something to wear, we'll wear it. Women, you find something to wear, you'll wear it, change it, wear something else change it, wear something else, change like 50 clothing, and then come back to the first one and say, perfect. We all have that in us to make decisions, but when it comes to the major things, life-changing decisions, many of us hesitate at that because it's full of fear. When it comes to Christmas and God coming near to us, we're all going to feel that fear. But that's why God brought us the Savior. That's why God came to us in the form of of a baby. Nobody fears a baby unless, you know, they go in their diaper and then dad, you got to change them for the first time and maybe you're not experienced. You fear not the baby, but what the baby made. So that's different than fearing a baby. God came in human form. 
in the form of a baby, gentle and humble, able to be carried, able to be nurtured, and at the same time, able to grow in this world so that the Savior can understand what you and I go through on a daily basis. Christmas has changed since that day one when Christ came into this world and it's been commercialized and, and uh, it's, it's been the biggest money-making time of the year. And if we're not careful, we can, we can slip into the ways of the world thinking Christmas is only about the season. But it's more than just decoration. I remember years ago and, and even um, a couple years ago, when we would buy a Christmas tree, that was the most difficult time for me because, okay, I don't know if you'll be able to relate to this as men, but when I want to buy a Christmas tree, I'm just going to grab a tree and then go. I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult. I'll just look for a tree. Is that the right one? Right height? Yes, perfect. Smell good? Yes, smells like a Christmas tree. Take it and go. Does it fit in the stand? Yes, it fits in the stand. Take it. Let's go. But Heidi loves shopping for a Christmas tree. It has to be the right one. It has to, it has to have the right form to it. It has to have the right amount of spacing in between because she has already pre-planned where the ornaments are going to go. And for some reason, with all the technology we have today, we can't make stands that are easy for Christmas trees to go in. You know how frustrating that is? And so I'm trying to get this thing into the tree stand, and so it's frustrating. My attitude is bad. My heart is bad. I'll put it in, and she'll go, no, it's crooked. I say, it's not crooked. It's the house. The house is crooked. No, it's crooked. No, no, the stand. Something wrong with the stand. That's all I can go. I'm thinking, I'm just going to drill this thing and nail it down to the floor, and that's it. That's how it's going to be. Too bad. No, this side is too big. Well, cut off that tree. Cut off that limb. No, the other side is too big. Now, we'll cut them all off. Make a stick. Whatever it is, just make it easy. And it's so frustrating. Then after all of that, you can't even enjoy decorating the tree. You have to, as the husband, leave. It's like when you're done. How is it, honey? Sweating, everything, bleeding, all itchy because of all the, all the sap all over you and you got all sticky hands. Oh, how is it? How is it? It's good. Okay, get out. Why? Let me help decorate. No, 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 no. I got this. What about the kids? Can the kids help decorate? No. The kids can't help decorate. Oh, come on. Let the kids decorate. Okay, kids decorate. And the kids decorate. Oh, the kids love it. Kids go to sleep. Wife comes back, changes the whole thing. <laughs> Next day, the kids are like, what happened? And it can almost seem like Christmas, we spend so much energy in doing that. But this year, I was good, Heidi, right? I was, oh, I was working so hard at when we went shopping for the tree. And I said, how about this one? And the first one we saw, she picked on the inside. I'm like, yes, that's my woman. <laughs> it took us 30 years, but hey, it took, it, we got the right one. Came home and, and everything went well. And I thought, if Christmas comes down to just decoration, we miss the power of Christmas. You know, that, that night on Christmas, it wasn't colorful and we didn't have all that decorations. But we did have the greatest thing that ever happened, that God came near to us. Sometimes we don't want to come near to God because getting near to people, sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes when we're near to someone else, we see flaws and, and they see ours. So by the time it comes to God and God wants to come near to us, we hesitate because we don't want to get hurt by God. We were playing basketball this past Sunday and uh, I, I met this guy, Adrian. I think he's here tonight. I saw him, I saw him somewhere. Yeah, hey, Adrian, so I'm talking about you, but that's okay. So I, I said, hey, let's go play basketball. So we did. <laughs> And uh, I don't know what I did, but I tried to steal the ball. I nailed him in his face, and his nose started to bleed, and there's a cut on his forehead. 
And so he goes to the son. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Are you okay? He's like, no, it's just a nosebleed. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I said, you have a cut on your forehead. I don't know what happened. I don't know if my fingernail cut your head or whatever it is. And so his nose is bleeding, and he's all on the towel. And so I'm waiting, and, and everybody's like, oh, pastor, what is that? And I said, I'm, I apologize. I'm so sorry. Are you okay? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. So I'm like, you still can play though, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, hurry up then. <laughs> Stop bleeding. But so he came, he played. And then as we're playing, another guy, um, I don't know what happened, but I tried this one spin move. I thought I was 20. And so when I s- tried to spin around, uh, me and his head collided. So he, he stopped, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he's like, I can't find my contact. Where's my contact? I'm like, is it in your eye? He's like, no, no, I see blurry. It's blurry. I'm like, okay, there's a contact somewhere on the ground. So we're all looking for his contact, and we're looking. We can't find his contact. And I look at his eye. I'm like, oh, you, I'm sorry. You got a lump on your eye. He's like, ah, oh, it's okay. Uh, but we got to find your contact. He's like, no big deal. I, need a, my, I don't need my contact. I said, no, you, you need your contact. You're going to be playing. He said, no, I don't need it. He goes, wait, wait. Oh, no, there it is. I got it. I got, I got my contact. <laughs> so, so two guys got hurt playing basketball, being near to someone else. And the common denominator is me. And I'm thinking, I hope these two guys aren't in the same room and people ask them, hey, what happened to your eye? What happened to your face? <laughs> oh, you know, the pastor of the church, you know, he busts my face and punched my eye. And so I, I hope that doesn't happen. And I think even, even though we, we tend to get hurt being near people, we can be sure that when we get close to God, he will never hurt us. He will always look out for what is best for us. And the Bible tells us he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Before Mary and Joseph was approached by this angel called Gabriel, it was 400 years before an angel had showed up in the nation of Israel. 400 years since a prophet had spoken 400 years that the word of the Lord was not spoken to the nation of Israel. And then Gabriel shows up and speaks some words to Mary and Joseph that changed history. And we receive because of what God had done at that time. Now you have your notes that you can take on and follow along as we talk about God being near. I'm going to read us a story. And it begins in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 26. And I'll read for us if you don't have your Bibles. But this is where the birth of Jesus Christ is first announced to Mary. And it's at this specific point where Mary is wondering, what is all of this about? Mary, being a good Jewish girl, she knew about the Scriptures. So she knew about the coming Messiah. She knew about the Savior. She knew all of that. But it's at this moment... When God speaks to her through the angel Gabriel, that the words of God come to life. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his his saying and considered of what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, 
and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and is now the sixth month. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For God, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So here's Mary. She receives this word. Almost like how when Elizabeth and Zacharias received the word from the angel, same angel, Gabriel, saying, you're going to have a son and his name is going to be John. Zacharias doubted. Mary believed. And I think for some of us, sometimes God will speak something to us and and maybe we have some doubts because of the situation we're in or, or maybe from life experience we doubt the things of God. But Mary believed. And because Mary believed, she was able to focus and persevere and live a life that was pleasing to God as well as accomplish the purpose that God had for her. And she was able to receive the promises that God has for her. And tonight, for us, I think we can learn a couple of things. And the first thing we can learn from what was happening when God came near is this. Number one, to live godly in an ungodly culture. Live godly in an ungodly culture. Now, why, why would we and how do we live godly in an ungodly culture? Well, Mary was from the city of Nazareth. Nazareth wasn't the most holy of cities. In fact, Nazareth was a place where people would go through to go to other cities. So it almost became like a stopping point where people would rest and there was prostitution and there was sin happening in that city. So Mary wasn't in the, the best city in the world. She was in a city that was known for sin. And that name Nazareth, when that's been spoken of, even in the Bible times, they're thinking, why Nazareth? Certain, certain I guess, uh, Character qualities or, or, or certain thoughts come to our minds when we think of certain cities. Let's just say, if I were to say New York, it's the city that never sleeps. Yeah, Las Vegas, we call it Sin City or Las Wages. What we call it is mostly known for it to be Sin City. Some of you knew that off the top of your head. I don't know why. I wonder why. Hmm, <laughs> curious. But Nazareth is also known to be Sin City. So Mary is in Sin City, but yet she was able to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. You and I will be in in an ungodly culture in this world where you work, sometimes even where you live, the people you hang around with. You're going to be in an ungodly situation. But Mary was able to live a godly life even though she lived in an ungodly culture, even, in, even if that city was ungodly. It says in John 1, 45 and 46, and this is one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, 
Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. Even the disciples were a little apprehensive of Jesus being the son of God because he was out of Nazareth. What good can come out of Nazareth? That's what they thought. Here's the second thing we learn when God comes near, is that God can bring good out of bad. He can bring good out of bad. Imagine hearing in our day today, let's just say Jesus never came yet, but he came today, and the prophetic writings and the word was saying that Jesus was to come to be born here in Hawaii. And the angel came and said, the, the, the risen Savior or the, the Christ, the Messiah, will be born in the lush hills of Waimea. Sounds pretty good. Or, or on the wonderful, beautiful, number one rated beaches on Kauai. Sounds good. Or what if he said, we'll be born in the tents and tarps of Waimanalo. <laughs> Big difference, right? I mean, Waimea sounds yeah, lush hills. Oh, Kauai, nice beaches. Tarps of Waimanalo. That's a little different. But he was born in a manger in Sin City. So when the disciples and even people would say, oh, no, the Savior is to be born coming out of Nazareth, they're thinking, what good can come out of Nazareth? And I think it sounds familiar to many of us. People might say of you, what good can come out of you? What, you, what, what good are you going to do? What, look at your life. Look at what you did. Look at your past. You may have heard that from your parents. You may have heard that from someone else that what are you going to, you're not even amounting to anything. You're good for nothing. There's no hope in you. That's when God came near and he says, you have hope. I'm going to bring good out of a bad situation. I can bring good out of any bad because God is good. He only does what is good. That's why those who are in darkness can see a marvelous light because of how good God is. Mary shows that it's possible to live a righteous life in an unrighteous neighborhood. That there's no power in a compromised life, a life that says, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want to have anything to do with God. I'm going to live the way I want to live. God can come near, and he can bring good out of bad. See, the question that I ask myself is, am I changing the culture around me, or is the culture around me changing me? See, that's, that's, that's like a measurement if God is near, and am I near to God? Am I really making an impact or am I reacting to certain things? You know, as a, as a husband and as a father, it's so easy for me to react. I react in anger sometimes or I react in, in uh, uh, a frenzy and I, I, I can't think straight so I, my temper goes up. Uh, last night I had a reaction. My grandson drank cocoa too fast and I thought it burnt him, but so I reacted and, and so he started to cry even more. I'm like, what's the matter? What's, on? what's happening? What's going on? And, oh, mommy, I oh, want mommy. I'm thinking, did you get burned? Did you get burned? What happened? He can't even speak because I'm probably freaking him out because of my reaction. I mean, that's how we are, even with our children. Sometimes they're more afraid of us than they are of the situation. They fall and then we react and we're frustrated. We get mad. What happened? What'd you do? And so they get, they cry. And so we try, to, we try to play it off now. So when they fall, we go, yay, yay. So they're all confused. Like, hey, I bumped my head. Blood is coming out, but they're clapping. What is going on? So their friends fall down in the scooter like, yay, yay. <laughs> Parents, you, I'm going to take you to your, your daddy. We react because we're human beings. 
But with Mary and Joseph, especially with Mary in this case, her reaction was subsided because she was able to understand that there can, there can be good that comes out of this. Even in the most difficult situation, God can bring about what is good. Mary, being that good Jewish girl, she knew her scriptures. She knew what it was like to be waiting for the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Even though God can bring good out of bad, did you know that we can still choose evil? But Jesus himself chose the good out of an evil world. He didn't choose evil. He refused evil. And I think when, we, when we're able to capture what God is able to do in and through us, that we'll be able to have the heart that says, Lord, I refuse evil, but I choose the good. You know, you know what Mary didn't do? And, I, and I'm wondering... Uh, you know, she knew the scripture. She knew about what Isaiah said. She knew the prophetic word. She knew that it was, there were to be a virgin that were, was to be conceived through the Holy Spirit and bear forth the Son of God. But what she didn't do when the angel showed up and said, hey, hey, yeah, that is me. That is me. And up until that point, you know, she's probably about 12, 14 years old around there and when the angel speaks to her. Up until that point, I don't think she was reading the scripture and thinking, that's all me. That's going to be me. That, yeah, that's me. I, I'm that person. Now, when it happened, she received it. But this is what Mary didn't do. Mary didn't boast on how good she was in being used by God. She said how good God is. Therefore, let it be done unto your servant. That is the best testimony that you and I could ever give. It's not look at what I do for God. Look at what I am doing for the kingdom of God. Look at what God, look at what I am doing for the church. Look at me serving. Look at me doing this. It's look at what God has done in my life. That's the heart that Mary had. There's a woman by the name of Laurie Conable. She's in our church. I'm not sure if she's here tonight, but she is one of the most humble women that I know. She is super talented and she would never say so, so I might get in trouble tonight, but forgive me. She can sing, she can dance, she's poetic, she can write. She's that brilliant, she can decorate, she's, she's a designer. She's so good at so many things, and she's one of the forerunners of our church. She's one of those that, that can carry on the good things of God and pass that on to the future generations on how to live that kind of life, but yet with, with the kind of humility that God looks for. All of us have a choice to live in this life when God comes near to us. That we're either going to say to God, like how Mary did, let it be done unto me, or we're going to refuse and just go through the motions of life. And we can even go through the motions of church or religion. But when God comes near, something changes. In Luke 1, 28, the angel came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, we can look at this word and say, oh, hail. Oh, it's, it's hail, favored one. The Lord is with you. So there's something special about Mary. Was Mary to be uh, uh, worshipped? Was she to be like uh, superseding Jesus Christ? No, not at all. It was a greeting by the angel. 
That word hail is kind of like how we greet one another. He was just letting her know, and he said this, don't be afraid. I mean, you would too if you saw the angel Gabriel show up. And don't act like you wouldn't be afraid. You and I would probably freak out and go, ah, what's going on? And so he said, hail, oh, for everyone, the Lord is with you. Be at peace. Don't be afraid. He was greeting her. In Australia, they'll greet and they'll say, good day, mate. Good day. Or, or in New York City, yo. Yo. Or here in Hawaii, we say, how's it? Or we cut it short. Sup? Or we just, we just cut it short. In the Philippines, they just go, psst. It's just that, I'm not calling you, the guy outside was looking. It's just a short way of saying, how are you doing? Good to see you. That would, that's what the angel was doing. In other words, when God comes near, he comes in all of his glory, but with gentleness. You don't have to fear God in the way of running away from him. We fear him in a respectful and worshipful way. And Mary chose to do that. She didn't say, finally, you come through, God. Finally, I get blessed. Finally, after all these years living a righteous life, because, you know, I do this, I do this, I do this. She just received it from God. And she was a little apprehensive because she had to think through, how is this going to affect us? What do I need to do? How do I live this life for you? She wanted to do well. And God used her. And Mary was able to show us and is able to show us that God brings favor upon those who humble themselves before God. Here's the last thing that we can learn together about God is that God's love is consistent and unchanging. He's an unchanging God and his love is consistent. That's why the disciple John could write of himself that I am the one in whom Jesus loves. Not, hey, look at me, I'm the one that loves Jesus. He says, this is how much Jesus loves me. I'm the one that Jesus loves. Yeah, I've done many things wrong, but look, Jesus loves me. I can't, I can't grasp that. And I hope that you can grasp that, that even though we may look at our mistakes, that you would be able to say, wow, God, I, you love me. You showed me your love. You came near to me. Just because Mary was a godly woman, it doesn't mean she was a sinless woman. Even she needed a Savior. Look at what Luke 146 and 47 tells us. Mary responded in her poetic words, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Even Mary needed a Savior. Even Mary knew that she would not be able to live a life pleasing to God without a Savior. And he was to be called Jesus. Jesus was a common name. It was Joshua or Yeshua. And it meant Jehovah is salvation. So that was a common name. But Jesus was the only one who could bring that to reality. He lived that out. Gabriel said he will be great. Megas, that word, megas, that Greek word, megas is where we get mega. Great, large, or it's, it's greatly in excellence. And Jesus was able to bring great excellence. And he was the greatest that has ever lived. That's why the angel could say that he will be great. The Lord God gave him that, that lineage of the throne of David, that he's going to be out of the family line of David. Now, why would, why would God do it that way? Why, wouldn't, why didn't he do it another way? Well, if you know King David, if you, you know, if you have read the Bible or if you've heard this story before, King David has two stories that are attached to him. In fact, two names that are attached to David and his legacy. 
One was when he defeated a giant. It was David and Goliath. One is where he sinned with a woman. It was David and Bathsheba. So David had victory on one end, but he also had defeat on the other end. Yet in the lineage of Jesus, you have this sinner, this king, who had victory, but he also had defeat. It's like God is letting us know every single family, even the Son of God's lineage, is dysfunctional. Every single family has problems. Every single family needs a Savior. That we're not, we're not susceptible to falling into sin, but we are acceptable before the God of all of heaven because of his love for us, his great love for us. So now when we come to God, we don't have to fear that God's going to turn us away or, or look at our family line and say, well, but you've been born of this. Jesus was of that family line, but the Holy Spirit is the one that had to conceive in Mary's womb because if not, then Jesus would have been born out of the sin seed of David, and he wasn't. So Jesus was born a sinless man and born out of this virgin birth. And you'd probably be thinking, why, why, what is that? What's so important about that? The only way the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ become powerful is if we understand that he was born of a virgin, that he wasn't born out of man, but he was born out of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the death and resurrection cannot pay for all of the sins of the world. He was perfect unto death, even from the beginning. So that's why it's important for us to understand that God came near, and he came near in this kind of way. That we may not understand it all, but we know that God brought forth his one and only son in the way he did so that Jesus could live a perfect life so that his sacrifice would be perfect for us so that we could be made perfect in the sight of God. Mary was obedient all the way through because she trusted in God. You know, our children, they trust us. My grandchildren trust me. They'll jump knowing that I will catch them. They trust me that much, except last night I wasn't ready, and my, my oldest grandson jumped and slammed his younger brother in the head. I didn't even know what happened. Next thing I know, he's crying. I said, what happened? I said, what did you do? He jumped off the couch. I said, why did you jump? Papa wasn't ready. But you know why he jumped? Because he trusted Papa was going to catch him. He has that much trust. Maybe not now, but he had that much trust. And Mary had that much trust with God because God was faithful. He's consistent. He's unchanging. You can trust God because he's consistent. He's unchanging. Mary's womb became a holy place for God. You know what God wants from us? He wants our hearts to become a holy place for him. That, yeah, but there's a lot of corruption in there. Oh, you don't know what's going on in my heart. Oh, God does. But when holiness enters your heart, all the darkness flees. Sometimes we say, but if I can get rid of this, get rid of this, get rid of this. No, no. Instead of trying to get rid of everything, just bring in the Savior. Bring in the God of the universe. When, when you feel far from God, don't run farther from him. Bring him near. Draw near to him, the Bible says, and he will draw near to you. God loves us with a passion gave up all of heaven so that he could come to this earth knowing what it would be like because of you. 
He does not want to spend eternity without you. It's just that simple. Yeah, but what if I do certain things wrong? You will. You and I will. You don't think God knows that? God knows exactly what we're going to do. Yeah, so then that's kind of weird. Then, so how, how do I still love God? Because he first loved us. So now we can love him. Never be afraid of dedicating your unknown future for a well-known God. Don't be afraid. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Sometimes we say, Lord, show me your will, and then I'll commit to you. God says, no, no, no. You commit to me, then you will see my perfect will. Don't conform to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Imagine if Mary had to convince Joseph to change his mind. Imagine if Mary came to Joseph and said, okay, Joseph, okay, I understand we're, we're, we're to be married, we're engaged, but <clears throat> the Holy Spirit overshadowed me. And now I am with child. And it's the Son of God. Can you believe that? We're, we're going we're gonna to raise the Son of God, the Messiah. Here it is. Here it is. In, in Isaiah, it talks about this, this, this is the one. This is me. I'm talking, this is the person. This is the one. So let's, hey, what do you think? Huh? That's us. <laughs> Not bad, huh? And here's your lunch. Go to work. Off to work. Good to see you. Look at that. God's promises. Imagine if Mary had to convince Joseph what we know Joseph would not believe if Mary told him. The angel had to show up to Joseph and let him know what was happening. You see, in this, in this engagement, it would take probably about 12 months for them to go through the entire process of marriage. They were engaged, and then 12 months later, they would have the ceremony. They would live in separate homes all, up and, all the way up until that time. And it was as if they were married. So imagine during these 12 months, Joseph has to go to work. And then the guys see him and say, hey, Joseph, oh, congratulations on you and your engagement with Mary. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Five, six months later, hey, Joseph, Mary gaining weight? She kind of, hey, what you saying? No, 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 I'm not saying, you know, I just, you know, she, she looked the kind, you know, hapai. Wait, what, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys okay or what? Yeah? Joseph and Mary had to live through all of that. Now, in our day and age, if, if someone is with child and they're not married or the parents are not married and then the, the uh, woman is pregnant, it was not like back then. Back then, if you committed adultery, which is sex outside of marriage... You were killed, stoned to death. That was the law. Remember the adulterous woman that was brought to Jesus? The Pharisees, the religious leaders brought the woman to Jesus, and then they all had stones in their hand, and they said to Jesus, okay, she, she was caught in the very act of adultery. Uh, the law says to stone her. What do you say? And remember the compassion of our Lord and Savior? He said, hey, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. Well, they couldn't dropped their stones, walked away. Jesus went right up to the woman and said, where are your condemners? Is there anyone here to condemn you? She said, there's none. There's no one here. He says, you're right. 
And here are the powerful words that I want you to hear our Lord and Savior saying, and neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. (sighs) Powerful. Powerful. Joseph, knowing that that can take place, he said, hang on, I I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? Well, the angel speaks to him. Joseph, in, in Matthew 1, 19, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly because he knew she was going to be put to death. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The angel did what Mary could never do. I think sometimes as husband and wife, and even if you're in a a relationship, we expect from the other person what only God can do. And we put such high expectations on one another, and God says they can never fulfill your highest expectations. Only I can. But you got to draw near to me. You're expecting them to fulfill all your heart's desires. Too much for an imperfect being to do. But I can do so. I I think that there's no mistake that, that Jesus was born in a home that his father Joseph was a carpenter. Carpenters make new things and they fix broken things. Jesus grew up as a carpenter. He makes new things and he fix he's fix he fixes brokenness. He's able to fix what we cannot fix ourselves. God came near, our Savior, to be born unto us so that we would have hope, not just celebrate Christmas. Christmas will come and go. But God came near. Emmanuel, God with us, I pray that tonight is your holy moment that you would let God in and make your heart his home. I'm going to ask our worship team and our Hula sisters to come up. And they have, uh, you're going to see mother and daughter, and we have um, some, some dads here that are, are playing on, on the band and, and singing. And what, what we want the hope to be and what we hope for you to grasp is that Jesus was born unto us and God came near as family, that God didn't want to be distant from us. God wanted to be near to us so that we would understand how valuable we are to him, that God is so good to us that even in our sins and even in our mess and even in our brokenness, he says, I can make all things new. And on the eve of celebrating the birth of Jesus, I would encourage you to come near to God because God came near to us and that you receive all of his promises. Can we welcome our team as they come and sing? And you can sing along as we, as we share with you tonight.
stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. a regular night just like this in Bethlehem as far as the world at that time knew but it was a night like no other a night that the world has never seen or will ever know again it was a holy night the night our Savior was born Luke 2 tells us and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. was born 
See, what makes the night holy is that there's a holy God, and He is God who came near to us. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads as we close with prayer, that you would imagine where your life is today, that God does not look past you. He, in fact, he, he loves you with a passion. He sees you. His eye is upon you, the Bible says. And maybe right now God is speaking to your heart, or maybe he has been, that he wants your heart to be a holy place for him, that he wants to be near to you. And the Bible says just come near to God. For some of you, maybe tonight was your night in saying, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to see what's, what this is all about, but I, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about God. I, I know a little bit about him, but I've never dedicated my life to him. I've never committed my life to him because I don't know what it's going to be like. But I can tell you this, God knows what it's going to be like. That's why he came near. Up until this point, you've been existing. But when God comes near and into your heart, you'll be able to live. And if you want to give your heart to Jesus tonight, I want to say a prayer with you. And what this prayer does is it just brings you near to God, and God will come near to you so much so that he'll live in your heart and you'll have eternity to look forward to in heaven. And if you want to receive Jesus tonight, could you just lift a hand real briefly and I'll pray with you. And nobody's looking around. I just, I just want to say a prayer over you and, and we can pray together. If you've never given your heart to Jesus and you want to tonight, I can pray with you. Yeah, God sees your hand. Anybody else? Back there, God sees your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? You're saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus. It's, it's my time tonight. This is going to be my holy night yeah, God sees your hand. God bless you. Yeah, God sees you. God bless you. God bless you. God sees your hand. He sees your future. He sees the hope that you now have. You can put your hands down. I think for many of us, even as Christians, we can miss what Christmas is really about and get caught up in the busyness of it. And it's okay to decorate. It's, it's perfectly fine to have presents, and it's a great thing to do because it reminds us of the gift of God that was given to us through Jesus Christ. But maybe for many of us, we're saying as Christians, I, I want to come near to God. I want God near to me. And I want to be as close as I can to him so that even if he should whisper, I would hear his voice. If that's you as a Christian, you're saying, that's me. I want to I give my heart to the Lord tonight in a way that says, I want to press into you. Yeah, many of us, Lord, we want to press in, Lord. We commit ourselves to you. You can put your hands down. Why don't we say this prayer together, especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for coming to us and showing us the way. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. And so I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. And Lord, that's our prayer for all of us tonight. I pray for all of us as family that as we head out to where we're going to be, that we would represent you well and at the same time remember that you came near to us. And because of that, we have a future and a hope. Thank you for coming near in such a way that you gave us a Savior on this season that we celebrate Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in your precious name that we pray, and we all said amen. Amen.